This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are. It's Thursday, Bills Chiefs week. We're getting closer. And just about every national media show you can get your hands on, Steve, they're all predicting shootouts. They think that uh, this is going to be the determining factor in who's going to win the Super Bowl. We're in week six, dude. Everybody's just got to chill out. I understand the pomp and circumstance home behind this game, and it's a big state. one. It is. Um, and I think you want to talk home field advantage. I'll listen to that. But let's just pump the brakes on the Super Bowl. That thing's like five months away. Again. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it's – Yeah, it – Four months away. Well, yeah, it's a big game. It's the biggest game, uh, I think, of importance, whereas now we kind of have a handle on who the good teams really are. I mean, we were – We've gone. We've we've had this conversation all off season. We watched the you know the free agent period, the draft, the run up to the draft, the combine, the preseason, the first month of the season, and before the season began at the regular season. At the end of the preseason, it's gonna be like wow, AFC is gonna be a gauntlet. You got Buffalo, Kansas City, you got uh, L.A. Chargers, Denver, and and Vegas are really gonna be good this year. Baltimore. Uh, Pittsburgh with Trubisky is going to be pretty good. You're going to have some teams out there. And then you got the number one seed, Tennessee Titans. They're going to be, you know, you got all these teams. It's going to be a gauntlet. All these quarterbacks, you know what? It's Kansas City and Buffalo. That's who it is. Yeah. It's Buffalo and Kansas City, the Bills and the Chiefs. All these other teams are chasing them. That's why this game has some meaning, some extra punch. Yeah. Um, Practice going on in the field house today. Rainy day here in Western New York. For those of you who don't live in this area, watching the show or listening to the show, and I think there was some good news on the injury front for the Bills that we we learned yesterday. Isaiah McKenzie, Ed Oliver, full participants in practice Wednesday. They're back out there practicing today. McKenzie, as we told you yesterday, is out of the concussion protocol, so it looks like. He's uh, good to go for this week after missing last week's game. And Oliver, a full participant, you know, looks like it means he's finally fully recovered from, you know, the ankle injury that had been plaguing him since week one. He did play last week, but, you know, how do you feel coming off of the game is probably even more important. Poyer, Edmonds, Benford, all working their way back to full health. All those guys were limited in practice yesterday, but all of them practicing again today, so that's a good sign. And then Kyrie Elam and Daquan Jones, Steve, new additions to the injury report. Elam, with a foot injury, was limited in practice yesterday, but he is back out there again today. Daquan Jones, limited with a hip injury, and he was back out there today after being limited yesterday, so those are encouraging things. And then even Jordan Phillips, who was limited with the hamstring injury yesterday after re-aggravating it in the game on Sunday against Pittsburgh, back out there for a second straight day of practice. So a lot of guys trending in the right direction. The only guy we didn't see out there uh, yesterday and today, at least during the media viewing portion of practice, was Taiwan Jones. So guys working their way back on the whole, which is a good thing, obviously. Yeah, and it's it's – you know, you hate to, you hate to, you know, you know, jinx yourself. I guess is what I'm saying. Guys are getting healthier, but there's no guarantees that everybody's going to stay healthy again. There might be a whole slew of different guys getting hurt this week. It's just the way it is. It's, 
Uh, we haven't had to deal with this for like two years. Since before 2020, this team has been one of the healthiest in the league for whatever reason. I have no idea why, and, and there's no rhyme or reason to it except they got a nice program and they keep these guys healthy. They give them plenty of rest and they give them all access to all the latest and greatest uh, treatment processes mm-hmm. and the guys use it. Um, don't know what's whether that's changed this year or what, but you know you knew it was going to catch up to you at some point. So getting healthier during the regular season, that's awesome. It's great. Don't know you, the problem is you just don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah. And but because now you got McKenzie Knox, uh, they're back in the mix offensively. Gabe Davis now seems to be one week past the week being past an injury that he's been dragging around for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So the, the receiving core looks to be as healthy as it's been outside of Jake Kumaro, who's still High out. High ankle sprain, yeah. You know, Jordan Phillips isn't 100%. Ed Oliver, we'll see. Well, he's a full participant in practice, yeah. so. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, the, the secondary, I don't know. I mean, that's, not even on the, that's not even on the menu for being close to being healthy. Well, right. It is encouraging, though, to see Christian Benford out there running around just two weeks removed from hand surgery. He does still have the red non-contact jersey on. Um, Even if he can't go, it's great because he can stay in football readiness, you know? So as soon, well, as, his, right. as, soon as his hand's not hurting or whatever the thing is that's keeping him out, yeah. his legs are going to be there. He's running through drills. He's doing all that stuff. He just can't, you know, as you can imagine, he can't grab and pull with well, that no hand. Contact. And he didn't want anybody slapping the back of his hand trying to get him off. You know what I mean? So you can't hand fight as a yeah. DB without your hand. Yeah, hard to play that way. And so, but he can go out there and run through some stuff and stay sharp, mm-hmm. which is a big boost. So he'll be better when he comes back. Chiefs injury report, not quite as long as that of the Bills, but they have some interesting players on the injury report. They've got guys in their secondary dinged up, although most of them are backups. Starting corner Rashad Fenton, however, has a hamstring injury, did not practice yesterday. They're obviously an hour behind us on Central Time, so we'll wait and see what the Thursday injury report has in store for the Chiefs. But Fenton would be a loss in a secondary that is not as deep as it used to be. Um, They're basically starting a rookie at the other corner in Jalen Watson. There is a chance that they'll get their first-round draft choice Trent McDuffie back from a bad hamstring injury that he suffered in week one. He's been out of the lineup since then. So I would presume, you know, if Fenton can't go, but McDuffie is up, they're going to start two rookies at corner. Their first-round pick, Trent McDuffie, and their seventh-round pick, Jalen Watson. That's an interesting scenario there. We did it. Concerning the Bills passing. I know that. (laughs) I know that. Um, And then LeJarius Sneed, the veteran, would be the nickelback, as he has been for the last few years. So it's something to keep an eye on. Is McDuffie ready this, number one, and is Fenton coming back from a hamstring injury number two this week to you, play? You look at this. It's, this game's going to be a hundred and a hundred to ninety nine. <laughs> I don't think so. Right? Whoever gets you know, <laughs> come on. What are you talking about? I mean, it feels like that. That the they score the the lead changed hands like was it three times in the last two minutes of overtime and overtime, three or four 25 times. points scored and. Twenty-five points these guys scored when they and you know obviously the defenses were were gassed at that point that the offenses were just humming. I don't know that it's going to start out like that in this game. Um, the last time in that stadium in the regular season, the Bills held them to twenty points. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and they both scored in the 30s the last time they played. I don't know. This is it, – it really seems like the offense is – you're going to have to keep up with each other offensively. And then you look at which defense is better equipped to get at least – you know, get a stop at some point, mm. you know. Um, and it's, it's a hard call to make. It's a hard call to make. And it looks like Pro Football Talk just provided an update on Chiefs practice for today. And Rashad Fenton not practicing again today with the hamstring injury for the Chiefs. So that's a development. Frank Clark also not practicing. Um, he's been dealing with injuries. We had um, Dana Hughes on our podcast this week, Bills by the Numbers. We taped it yesterday. It's out for your listening pleasure uh, on any podcast platform that you use. And he was telling us that Frank Clark just hasn't looked right this season, and they, a lot of people are saying he's not 100% healthy, he's dragging some stuff around, kind of similar to the way some Bills players have been doing. So he was limited yesterday due to illness. He's not going to practice today, though. So it's not an injured part of his body. He's just dealing with illness. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see where that goes. Uh, Fenton, though, is, is a critical piece here going forward knowing the players that the Bills can deploy on the field. And I was going to bounce this off you, Steve, a little bit just to get into a little bit of the personnel grouping stuff. We haven't seen a whole lot of 10 personnel from the Bills this year, but with the emergence of Khalil Shakir and now Isaiah McKenzie healthy, you've got some young, inexperienced corners right. in the Chiefs' secondary. If Fenton doesn't play, you may I'm not saying good. you go to four wides the whole game, but maybe you got a package of plays where you're putting four guys on the field, spread that unit thin. You might. You want, you want to see how deep they go at corner. And if they want to leave – if they want to leave their linebackers on the field against your four wide package, you got to see if they can hold up. Now, the, what comes to you is say, well, they'll never be able to match up with the Bills, you know, going that deep in their team. You know what I mean? Right. The, the problem is you got to protect it. You got to protect Josh. And so you, you can put all these guys out there, but if they send more than you can block, you better have an option. You better have an answer. Yeah. So that's where you kind of like, oh, okay, but, you know, you got five offensive linemen protecting Josh, and he's back there by himself, and you got four wides. And they start sending pressure. You yeah. better you better be well schooled on what your rules are, both in pr protection and in getting open. Well, quick. We saw some interesting protection tweaks that Coach Dorsey deployed last week. Of course, it's all on film now, so we're not telling any state secrets. But they kept Sweeney in, along with a back a few times on some of those deep shots that they did take against the Steelers, and. I'm not saying it's going to look exactly the same as it did last week, but some of those things had some good success. Um, yeah, but if Frank was, Clark's not 100%, the only guy you really got to worry about full-time is Chris Jones. Yeah, here's the thing, Who's too. Who's a handful. Well, their, their draft pick, uh, Carl Loftus, is getting some pretty good reps nice, in as nice well. Nice young player, yeah. But don't forget, yeah, we, it was all fun and games. It was great in that Pittsburgh game, 38-3. to Awesome. Listen, Josh got – Hit on his, put on his back hard by Cam Lewis during that game, and I thought Cameron he was Hayward. Cam Hayward, and it was it looked bad, and even in the 98-yard touchdown pass, third play from scrimmage of the game, when we're all hooping and hollering, Josh got hit in the mouth. 
you got to have answers for that. Those plays count. And I don't mean count on the scoreboard, hey, we're winning, it's great. No, they count because you got a quarterback on his back. So, and I'm not going to be overprotective of a 6'5", 250-pound quarterback who's rugged and runs the ball and knocks people over and stiff arms defensive linemen. But you need him every single game without fail to show up healthy. Hmm. So you can go 10 personnel if you want, but sooner or later somebody's going to get a shot on him. And whenever he runs, half his runs are scrambles. Almost right. exactly half maybe, his runs. Maybe, oh, yeah. Oh, you Almost, looked it up? Yeah. It, well, it, a couple of weeks ago I did. Okay. Uh, it was half his runs are off play play action, play games, games when they're going to pass it and he just takes off and scrambles. Yeah. When he runs, think about yourself as a defender for the other team. How big a target does Josh Allen have on him when he's running down the field? Everybody wants to take a shot at him. You sure? I don't know if 180. Everybody I don't know if a 180 pound corner wants to take a shot on him when he's got a full head of steam. When he's running him. down the field, they'll blow his both his knees. You out. can't cut him. They will, he's running. He's got the football. Oh, he's got. Well, oh yeah, sorry. I'm thinking of the lineman coming out. They blocking. will blow both his knees out. Yeah. And get up and walk away like nothing. Well, that's when he hurdles. All I'm saying is that's what <laughs> that's the mentality. Yeah. So you got to have answers if you're going to go ten personnel. You got to have yeah, answers. Yeah, and like I said, not I'm not saying it's the crux of your game plan, but I'm curious if and if you, you know they tap they tap into that every little bit. I'm with you though. If they can protect it and the Chiefs don't send extra people, that's yeah, like that's a short 99 to 10. That's 99 to 100 that yeah. game. <laughs> well, yeah. That's that's when it does get into a track meet. Right. And we saw the the Bills last year in week one get pulled out of it because they couldn't protect against the Steelers in week one last year. They were trying to run 10 personnel in the first half of that game, and their five couldn't protect you against couldn't the block. Steelers' four. That's right. And it pulled the Bills out of 10 personnel. So uh, I think they'll be mindful of if they fe- – you don't run it unless you know the protection can work, to Steve's right. point. But so you're the, right about that. And here's that. the thing, too. I mean, we've seen Ken Dorsey, and they've had a phenomenal year. They're number two in the league in scoring behind the team they're playing this week. And I think it gives him now that we've been talking – what we've been talking about, the offense seems to be – Really healthy. Knock, knock on wood. Right. Uh, but that gives you a chance to be a little bit more creative and to evolve quicker. In fact, they're better than healthy because now there's some things you know about Khalil Shakir that give you, some, uh, give you the ability to say, you know what, plug I, that guy in. I'd use him more. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and same thing with James Cook. You showed you a little something finally getting his legs under him. Yeah. And the fact that you haven't shown James Cook very much in your offense – is a little bit of an unknown for the Chiefs. So if you do know something about him or feel like you do, now's the time. Right. So in that res- in that respect, you got to feel okay. You got to feel pretty good about where the Bills' offense is right now. Bills' practice updates presented by LeeCom, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, as we get ready for this gigantic game. Between the Bills and the Chiefs, this week's game sponsor, incidentally, is Gabe's Collision. Get back in the game with Gabe's Collision, locally owned and operated since 1964, featuring three convenient locations. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram to learn more. For anyone that was wondering, yes, Tredavious White was back out there practicing again, second day. 
since his 21-day window to practice opened, still wearing the red non-contact jersey for him. So hopefully it's full steam ahead for him, getting back to quote-unquote game shape and hopefully sooner rather than later being added to the active roster. But uh, as you know, Coach McDermott already said, not playing this week, so presumably the earliest he would be moved to the active roster from reserve PUP is week eight because week seven is the bye week. So there is that. Uh, we also wanted to go around the NFL a little bit and don't know if you saw this, Steve, but Rams head coach Sean McVay, he was being asked questions about the Odell Beckham situation and their recruitment of him to come back to the Rams. And there was some stuff on social media, you know, Odell Beckham saying the Rams know where he wants to be, but offered him the lowest of low offers. So that set off this whole thing where Rams reporters are going to McVay saying, Hey, you know, did you lowball him? What did you do? Did you, is this over between you and Beckham? Cause you lowballed him and blah, blah, blah. And so, McVeigh stayed very calm through the whole question and answer session, and he said, look, the Rams haven't made their last offer to Odell Beckham. Just an initial one, which apparently wasn't very well received. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then we had Von Miller here last week saying he knows where Beckham's going to end up. He and Beckham are close friends. It, it's the perfect fodder to discuss for, between now and and the time when he's ready to be medically cleared in mid-November is the yeah, word now. I'm, I refuse to be distracted by Odell. <laughs> don't distract me. I get. I got. We got a game. I'm focusing on guys that are playing. Listen, we got a game this week, and it's a big game, and it's an important game. And I'm I'm not going to be totally dismissive of it because good players make you better. I had a, I had an interview last night on a, another platform, and they asked about McCaffrey. Yeah, good players make you better, absolutely. If that right. guy can come in and play well at your place, of course you're going to be a better team because of it. Uh, there, a bunch of questions arise, though. Is, it gonna, is he going to play better? Is he going to play well for you? Is it going to cost you too much to have him for the rest of this single season? Yeah. And what about going forward? What's the long-term effects? What are the ripple effects? And three, is he going to be a disruption and a distraction for the – locker room is it going to be something where your team is like well hey we're number two in the nfl in scoring right now we're four and one we would should be five and oh if it wasn't for a 95 yeah. degree day we're not good enough all of a sudden um a little bit of that and you know i'm sure now people have their own perceptions about odell beckham jr and christian mccaffrey whatever the kind of person they think they are. The acid test has always been and always will be. What do their teammates say about them? If Von Miller was his teammate and said, "No, the guy's great," that's it. Good. You don't have to worry Dundee about Lucy. you don't have to worry about him coming in, and all of a sudden there's a fight in the locker room. Um, that's not going to happen. So that when they come in and present themselves as good teammates and all that, that's all. That, let's go. You're, let's go. That's fine. Good players make you better. If if you want to bring him in, that's great. Where's he going to get his targets from? Who's giving him up? A guy like Beckham. Wow. And a guy. And that's I'll, something I'll to worry that, about a little further down the road. And also this, you're not going to if you bring Christian McCaffrey in here, 
What are you going to do? Just hand it off 25 times instead no, of 12 not, or 13? No. You're not changing anything. You're not changing anything. So I don't know that it, you know, I mean, if you're going to get McCaffrey for nothing, not nothing, but I'm exaggerating, obviously. Yeah. But if you get him for a low enough price for a, for, for a rental at the end of the season, maybe you think about it. The, the structure of his contract makes it possible. Right. I just don't think the – I don't think it's a priority position in terms of big money. Absolutely In not. the eyes of Brandon Bean. Um, and I realize you can get him for a song this year. Um, and all the dead money goes away if you acquired him. But to me, what the bills are offensively, I don't know that it jives. Um, with what McCaffrey would bring you. Sure, you could throw it to him out of the backfield and all of that stuff, but I don't know. I don't I, – I don't know. I, it, does, it doesn't feel like – I mean, McCaffrey's a talented player, don't get me wrong. The injury history is a concern, and he's, a, he's still – you know, he's 27, and he's got a long injury history. That's not positive. What happens when he gets older? He's going to be Here's less injured. I, I don't know if I'm buying. Him. Are you are you that much better with him than without him? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that he's a put you over the top guy. I don't think that position is a put you over the top guy. No, position. and and you just drafted a guy that does a lot of the I same mean, things that he does, and his name's James Cook. Yeah, I would rather exactly. I would rather. I would rather if it'd be better if McCaffrey played corner. You know. <laughs> Right or safety? I wish you. You know, I don't need a running back. I got him. Yeah. Does he play? Was okay. Does he play? You know, was he? Does he play O line or something? I mean, give us a, give us something we can we can use. I'm. I don't. I don't need that. I don't need a running back. You know, we yeah. always use another corner. Because then if he can't play, that's fine. Put him on a practice squad. Whatever. Well, we might be getting a cornerback pretty soon too. That's right. Pretty pretty damn good one. Yeah, <laughs> an all pro one. This just be. in. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I'll say this too: when when it's been my experience, when Tre'Davious hits the field, he's going to look good. I think, I think he gonna, looks good now. I, I, Just I, watching him the last two days during the media viewing portion of practice, I was like, I oh, think he's he looks gonna, pretty good to me. I think he's going to fall into the lineup and look extremely good right away. Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, last thing for around the NFL: Thursday night football. Steve, are you strapped in? Are you ready for this barn burner? Commanders Bears. The biggest thing to come out of this matchup right now, leading up to it, is that Carson Wentz is going to play despite the fact that he's battling a bicep tendon strain in his throwing arm. Like, that's not nothing. You know we, what I mean? We probably won't notice. <laughs> wow. Wow. We probably won't. Shots notice. fired here at One Bills Live. Look out. I know I won't because I'm Duck I'm everybody. A, I'm really going to have a hard time watching this game tonight. Yeah, I, I don't. I am definitely not making the investment in this game. I'm going to be watching. Let me just say, I'm going to be watching my you know, Yankees you know play much, tonight. You know, my, you know how much disdain I have for this game tonight. Tell me you're going to watch baseball. Is there a game on? Is yeah. there a baseball game on? Yeah, Yankees Guardians. I may I may stoop that low and watch them. What oh, baseball's postponed? Jake, no what? Yankees game tonight. When did that happen? Why? We're getting we're getting. Oh, the uh, weather. It's They're post <laughs> They should have did. So stupid. They should have played Baseball. yesterday. <laughs> they can't even win against the Commanders and the Bears. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, now, now what am I'm I going to now what am I going to do? Now I got to watch the Commanders Bears. I don't know if I'm going to do it. Oh, the Sabers are on tonight. Woo-hoo! Yeah, okay. Guess what day it is. <laughs> Sabers, baby. <laughs> all right. I am all about it. I guess that's where I'm headed too. I was going to watch playoff baseball, I'm going but... I'm going to be on the patio with a cigar and a Sabers game, man. Yes. That's what I'm talking a, about. Do you have a covered awning out there? Yeah, I got a veranda. Oh, all right. It's raining. And I've got – and it's interesting, too. I just I've discovered this. i got a veranda. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's, yeah. It's what it's called. What can I say? I, I, didn't, I didn't invent it. It just sounded very official. I know, right? Um, I have a veranda. I found out we cut the cord, right? So we're, we have all internet TV now. Yeah, yeah. You can put your TV anywhere you want now. Well, yeah, as long as it's hooked up to your wireless yeah. system. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I just pop that baby right out on the. I'm just, it's awesome, yeah. man. Outdoor TV whenever you want it. I, and I don't. My <laughs> when I when I Steve's get, plans are set. When I get rich and famous, I'm going to put one on the wall of my veranda so I can leave it out there all the time. Right yeah. now, that's what I. Have. Now that I'm now that I'm still you know working stiff, I'm just going to carry it out there every time yeah. I need it. So I have a smaller television, wireless TV that's hooked up to my wireless system that I have on the back patio. This best. We have man. it on in the summer, and yeah. But we're getting precariously close to the time of the year when I got to pull that thing inside. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I can't I leave it out there. I know. Uh, uh, may have to pull it in this weekend. We have a yes. I have a standing appointment with a group of guys, group of ex- family and extended family that shows up in my my veranda. Veranda. My veranda. Um, they show up every. Sunday evening after all after we're done here and we're all that yeah. we, we sh- they should we watch the a little bit of the night game together with okay a few adult beverages and cigars and watch the game on the and last Sunday for just because of the Yankees game being postponed last Sunday was the best weather day we have ever had in the history of our little get together mm. since twenty twenty since COVID. It was spectacular out. Yeah, it was last nice. Sunday. It was nice weather so, for sure. It's not. And the wind be... even died down later in the oh, evening. Oh, it was spectacular. It was yeah. great. It was a great day. Uh, Twitter topic of the day for you folks at eight oh three oh five fifty. Which unit makes a play to win the game on Sunday? And the choices are obvious: Bills offense, Bills defense, Chiefs offense, Chiefs defense. No offense, special teams. Sorry, we just didn't have enough choices. Sorry, Steve. Um. Leading the way is Bill's defense with more than two-thirds of the vote out of the gate. Holy mackerel. I was going to vote Bill's defense, too, but, man, I wasn't expecting it to be that lopsided. Of course, no one's picking the Chiefs to do anything to win the game for right, obvious everybody, reasons. I don't know. We're all the Chiefs fans. I don't get it. They're well, not they watching. Yeah. They don't watch this They don't show. watch our show. Or listen to um, the show. Yeah, that's – the Bill's defense is – and we'll get some of this on the tweet sheet, I'm sure. But the Bill's defense is the – the side of the ball that sticks out amongst them. Both offenses are spectacular, fast, versatile, and they score a lot of points. Not so much with both defenses. Yeah, The Bills' defense is averaging, giving up less than 13 points a game. That's pretty good. And the Chiefs can't boast that. Now, they've had a different schedule than the Bills, no question. Mm-hmm. The, the Chiefs have played some different teams. I mean, the Chiefs' um, played schedule. played the Raiders last week. The Chiefs have played the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Colts, the Buccaneers, and the Raiders. Um, How the heck did they lose to the Colts? 
Somebody's got to help me with Dude, that. I don't know. I got to go back and watch that Listen, game. Listen, the same way the Bills lost to the Jaguars. Find out what the hizzy happened to Now, there. the Bills played the Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Steelers. I mean, those first four was was not an easy It wasn't a walk track. in the park. It wasn't a walk in the park. Uh, I mean, the scoreboard made it look that way for the first two games, but it wasn't. But it was the Bills physical only, games. The Bills didn't, you know, they allowed 17 points in their first two games against the number against the Super Bowl champions and then a one seed from the conference. So, Pretty good first two weeks of the season for the Bills. Yeah. We have to take a break here because when we return, it is time for us to catch up with our good friend Field Yates, the fantasy football guru from ESPN, as he is going to give us his ultimate fantasy lineup, which is presented every week by FanDuel. We'll catch up with Field next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, here we are, One Bills Live on a Thursday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and it is time now, as we do every week in this time slot, for the ultimate fantasy lineup. i got to get some reverb on that. I know. We need an echo. Presented by FanDuel, make every moment more, and here to present his ultimate fantasy lineup is none other than the ESPN fantasy football guru that you know and love, one Field Yates, with his week six magic. Field, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good to be on with you. I'm trying to think as far as reverb goes. So you've got the big horn out there in Minnesota. Do you like that or do you hate it? I know Aaron Rodgers does not like it, right? What do they got? A tr- we have a train horn here that we play on third downs uh, in the Rymar. Yeah, that was pretty good. I like yeah. that. That that would work as well. So you could probably adopt one of those two. I, I like I like where your head's at, Brownie. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want, Field. We'll try and make it happen. All right. We're gonna you. we're gonna kick <laughs> off week six here, Field. With maybe the shortest quarterback in football, but he does put up points. Yeah, short in stature, tall in value as far as fantasy is concerned. That is, of course, Kyler Murray. $8,300 is the price point on Sunday for this game that if you're watching live, you'll see says 4.05 p.m. But just a reminder, it could be pushed back to 5.30 p.m. if the Seattle Mariners win either tonight's game or tomorrow night's game against the Houston Astros. If there's a game four between those two teams, it will be played on Sunday at 5.30 so as to not conflict with the entirety of the car, of, of the baseball game. Uh, but, Kyler, you know, here's what you're looking for is opportunities. And if you were to add up passing attempts and rushing attempts per game for Kyler – the number is nearly 50 this year. So plenty of opportunity for Kyler. And that Seahawks defense has been bad. We are no longer in the era of the Legion, Legion of, of Boom. boom. Yeah. It is now Legion of Boom. It is a very offensive-minded team in Seattle. It and why is Kyler with all the with all 50 opportunities? Why 8,300? What's this what's the reasoning? How did he get off? Because that seems cheap to me. Yeah, you know, I'd say it's 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 probably I would say maybe a little bit less than I would expect, Steve. Uh, probably the biggest reason why is that while Kyler's been solid this year, we've got the elite tier of quarterbacks for fantasy. There's four of right. them in particular. You may be familiar with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. 
uh, and also Jalen Hurts this year, who have just been so good. Right. That you're getting a little bit of a discount on the guys that haven't just run through the league like those four gotcha. have in the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, that makes sense. What about let's drop down to the running backs? Who did you pick? No Buffalo flavor here, Steve. Yeah. I'm loving it. Yeah, we got some Buffalo flavor. By the way, a lot of lot of NFC West in this lineup, but we'll have some Buffalo in a minute. Jeff Wilson Jr. seventy two hundred bucks. For the San Francisco 49ers, I expect them to win on Sunday. They're favored against Atlanta. In the three games that they've won this year, Jeff Wilson Jr. has at least 17 rushing attempts. So good opportunities. He's got a 30-plus yard run, three straight games. I think they'll be able to control the game. And, you know, that that passing game in San Francisco is never really the calling card. They're, they're a run-first, run run-often run team. And with the way that they're playing defense right now and on a per-play basis and a points-per-game basis, nobody's better. San Francisco can really slow the game down by playing good defense and running the football. Devin Singletary, who you mentioned or you guys forecasted in this game, you know, you, people who are playing uh, in, in daily fantasy understand that if you're going to have high exposure to one game, it might mean less exposure to other games. And with a lot of Seattle, Arizona in my lineup, I wanted some Kansas City, Buffalo in my lineup as well. But as you guys know, beyond that, Devin's become the guy in the backfield. He has a 15-plus yard gain in four straight games. And you guys saw Josh Jacobs run all over that Chiefs defense last week. The Bills probably never going to be a team that works to establish the run early and often, but if they have 10 or 12 or 15 opportunities for Devin Singletary on Sunday afternoon, wouldn't surprise me if he used them pretty effectively. Right. And Singletary, yeah, because he's kind of – I know he disappointed people last week because his workload wasn't as heavy with the Bills airing it out in the passing game, and he had been used for about three weeks as a heavy checkdown option by Josh. What, what do you do when you have a, a guy that's a little bit of an enigma like that, you know, and maybe there hasn't been enough weeks of the season to really kind of feel out what he's going to be on a week-to-week basis? Well, the good news is for daily fantasy is you can bypass or invest in a player at your leisure, right? There's no rule that says you have to start or sit a particular guy. As far as season-long fantasy goes, maybe in a different year, I'd tell you, you got to just stash Devin Singletary on the bench. But the problem is that there have been so few running backs that have been consistent so far this season that it's not like you're benching Devin Singletary because there are five guys who have emerged out of nowhere so far this season. So I think Devin's going to end up staying in more lineups than people might forecast based off of the, some of the inconsistency. But at the end of the day, if you play in the bills offense, you got a chance to play to pay off. And I know that uh, you know, there might be some visions of this game being a little bit less of a shootout than it was when these two teams met back in January, but I am forecasting a ton of points on the board on All Sunday right. in Kansas so City. So now with wide receiver, you are mashing the NFC West button yeah, here. Holy exactly. cow. I am. Let's, let's just mash one game. I'm going to give you the wide receivers <laughs> and the tight end. Rondell Moore, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Zach Ertz. I basically want as much of this game as possible. You know, the Seahawks numbers defensively, if you look at against the pass, may not look all that terrible when you come sort of comb through some of the fantasy metrics. The problem is they don't play that many plays on defense. So they are really, really struggling on a per pay base, per play basis. That's why you get Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz, who by the way, Ertz has been really good all year. And Moore, you're getting a bit of a discount on a guy who played really well last week, but was previously injured. I want as much of that game as possible. And I want Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. As far as surprises go, how many have been better 
in terms of surprises than Geno Smith at quarterback this year. Right. I mean, he's been awesome for the past three weeks in particular. Uh, he's outplayed Russell Wilson that much is for oh, sure. Yeah. And he's chucking the football down the field a ton right now. So with the way that those two wide receivers are built, shouldn't be a surprise if plenty of fantasy points are on the board again this Sunday afternoon. What's, what's Geno Smith's price been hovering around the last few weeks? Field, just curious. Whatever it's been, it's been too. It's been too cheap. But the answer is the answer is <laughs> right. too low. Uh, you're, you're you're getting Costco pricing on Geno Smith, and he should be Whole Foods right now. Wow, so, uh, <laughs> he's been awesome. He has been really, really good. And uh, I, I just, you know, the NFL, part of what makes sports great, guys, is you know we, you guys do a show every day that's dedicated mostly to one team, and you do so throughout the off season, and we all talk about a million different things. And then it's the stuff that no and none of us were talking about, right? None of us were talking about Geno Smith being a top 10 quarterback through five right. weeks of the season. And, you know, that list is, I suppose, a bit subjective. But Geno's at least in the conversation for having been a top 10 quarterback so far this year. And yeah. that's been fun to see. Yeah, and it's you're right. We were snickering at who they were had, Drew Locke or Geno Smith. It was like, there's no, right. you know, they're going to stink. Uh, but they're playing better than the Denver Broncos are. Their offense is playing better from it, and Geno's a big reason why. It's a real shocker. It's one of the fun things about sports. Let's. Uh, no what about your flex? About it, guys, why, why we play the games, right? That's right. Talk to us a little about your flex, Aaron Jones. Yeah, let's end things off with some style here. Aaron Jones at $7,300, and the Buccaneers on defense. I won't dive too deep into the Bucs defensively other than you guys watched the Steelers last week on offense. They're a mess. They're a disaster. They're pretty much hopeless right now. Yeah. But Aaron Jones with the flex, my gut tells me this, is that after a really disappointing finish to the game last week in London against the New York Giants, the Packers are probably having some, some moments of reflection right now. A lot of that looking inwards. And as you look at this offense, with the way that it's built right now, the best players are at running back, obviously beyond Aaron Rodgers. Their best players are their two running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, behind what can be a very good offensive line. Passing game had a couple of moments this year, and as I said, they look like a team that traded away perhaps the best wide receiver in the NFL, right? Yeah. And they did. They traded away Devontae Adams, and yeah. that's the reality of what happens when you do that. You took a major step down in the passing game. So uh, in doing so, uh, they need to adjust to what they do well, and to me what they do best is run the football, which is why I think Aaron Jones is a very busy man this upcoming week. Field, right. I'm looking at your lineup. I think Tampa might – might get you the most points this week. I mean, against yeah. that Pittsburgh offense, that. yikes. 10.4 predict, hey. predicted points is a ton for a defense. Oh my God. They are. I mean, the Buccaneers defense is solid. Um, but that, that Pittsburgh offense, guys, you know, if I told you blindly, you could have Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Najee Harris, and Pat Fryermuth as your five skill guys, you'd probably like that. And yet the Steelers – you do not like that at all right now. The way that they are operating is just difficult to watch, and I'm not sure it gets much better. Kenny Pickett, uh, in terms of starting slates to have to face as a rookie, Buffalo and then Tampa, not easy at all. Yeah, and their offensive line is is probably the biggest problem because um, Pickett made some it. plays yeah. here last week, you know, despite being under pressure, behind on the scoreboard, one-dimensional as an offense – you know he yeah. he made some play. Finished with over 300 yards passing. So he's got yeah, some yeah. he's got he's got some promise. But man, they got to fix that line. They haven't invested in the line no in the draft either. Either early. Yep. 
which hey, is you know unstealer like. Uh, yeah. it, it's going to, it is, it may get late early. We all talk about the stat. Ooh. Mike Tomlin's never finished with a record below 500, but it certainly feels like there's a possibility that that streak is in great yeah. jeopardy this season. All right, Field, thanks as always. Uh, enjoy the Bills-Chiefs uh, game because I know you're not yeah, maybe expecting it to be a barn burner, but something always seems to happen there. And he's and Steve's got the train horn for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can tell you guys, enjoy the AFC Championship game on Sunday, all right? There you go. Thanks, all Field. Right. We appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Field. That's uh, right, ESPN's Field Yates joining us as he does every week with his ultimate fantasy lineup presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. I'm telling you, man, like, that Tampa defense, whew, I think they against gonna, Pittsburgh. Oh, <clears throat> I mean, it is it is in Pittsburgh, so that helps a little bit. But they're not going to have any better day than the Bills defense did against them. I don't know, but I think they're gonna they're gonna get home a few times. I think. Yeah, they might. Pickett might get a little beat up, and we'll that see. Game. We'll see. I, I'll tell you what, though. You and I both said it. Um, he's not. You know, it's a down week for him. It's hard to hard to find any positives in a thirty-eight to three beatdown. I think the kid can play. Yeah, I do too. I don't know what it, about his, his line is and all that. His line is grossly underachieving, and it's an offensive line that the Steelers figure. uncharacteristically have not invested high draft picks the in. Steelers are always a nuts and bolts well, football team. They always seem to get it right, and they have forgotten, you know, that it what's starts made up them front. so successful yes, for exactly. so many years. I think yeah. they, there's no question they got some great offensive weapons around him. But they just can't get to them because of the, the yeah. problems they have up front. Break time here, but your phone calls next as we are asking you what unit makes a play to win the game on Sunday. Your choices are there on the tweet sheet. Hit us up there or give us a call at 803-0550. Your call is next here on One Bills Live. Hey, Bills fans, this week's game sponsor when the Bills visit the Chiefs is Gabe's Collision. Gabe's Collision has been family-owned and operated since 1964, featuring three convenient full-service collision centers with on-site rental cars throughout western New York. Each facility carries various manufacturer certifications, state-of-the-art technology, and the most highly trained professionals statewide. Seamless, efficient, pristine craftsmanship. Get back in the game with Gabe's Collision, the official auto collision repair center, of the Buffalo Bills. We're going to get to the phones right now at 803-0550, Which unit makes the play to win the game on Sunday? You can let us know there or on the tweet sheet, but we lead off with Bob in Hamburg. Bob, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. I'm just tired of all this stuff about the hitting the quarterbacks. You know, Bruce Smith, Jack Lamberg, Mean Joe Green, they destroyed quarterbacks. And if they had to play football like this, they wouldn't have even made the Hall of Fame. This is getting ridiculous. Quarterback stands next to a referee for two minutes, then throws the flag. Ah, I see Steve Tasker destroy a guy on the Los Angeles Rams many years ago on a punt return and knock him back five yards. He didn't get a penalty either. It just is that not football? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's not. <clears throat> They changed the rules, unfortunately, Bob, uh, in the in the name of player safety. I'll say this. It, yes, you're right, Bob. 30 years ago, a lo- many years ago, as you said, a long time ago, a lifetime ago, it was a different game. And, it, and let me just reiterate as well. 
30 years before that. So you're talking 60 years ago, back in the 60s. It was a different game than it was 30 years ago. And I don't think it's hard to debate. And I know it's, you, it's a, we get a little romantic. We romanticize the physicality of it a little bit and the brutality of it. Some, you know, somehow we do that. Um, but it's, it's a different game for a good reason. You get guys that play it longer. Great players to play it longer. You get to enjoy a longer career from these guys, more seasons of, of their greatness. Their, their quality of life after they finish playing is way better. The game has never been bigger and more attention-grabbing than it is now. So whatever it was then, it's even more compelling and fun to watch now because it's more entertaining now. Uh, the run game has diminished. Special teams have diminished. And it's about offense and defense now, um, mostly offense, because people want to see guys throw the football and catch it and run. I mean, they want to see guys doing that. Um, yes, the game is vastly different than it was, and old guys like, you know, like Bob and Hamburg and me sitting here, and some, some of the times you kind of miss that. But I said it last week, I said it about once a week, every week, that – it was a brutal game 50 or 60 years ago. I mean viciously brutal. Almost, It's incomprehensible how these guys survived it in one piece. It was a brutal game. And it's better now because it's not that brutal. Um, it just is. I know it's not as physical, and sometimes the physicality is what we all crave. But we also crave seeing the stars play. And by making it the way it is now, there's a better chance that the great players and the guys we really want to see, the Peyton Mannings, Tom Brady's, Josh Allen's, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers of the world, along with Devontae Adams of the world and the Steph Diggs of the world, it's a better game because we get to see those guys every week. Right. Before we take a break here, we wanted to mention there was a small – uh, gathering for a retirement ceremony for one Scott Birchtold, former vice president of communications here with the Bills, 33-year career with the Bills, yeah, and announced his retirement back in April, but was formally recognized today at the stadium. Yeah, there's Scott, the, and uh, it was Thurman, me and Jim were there, and some you know uh, other people. His you know his lovely bride was there as well. Pam, um, Pam was there, and and uh, Scott was the. Um, Director of media relations throughout the Super Bowl years and for 33 years and all the way up until the last handful of years when Derek Boyko has taken over and along with, you know, Kevin Kearns and that, the crew over there. Scott did that for all those Super Bowl teams. And it was a little, you know, it was a little bit more of a skeleton crew, comparatively speaking, back then. But that guy guided Jim, Bruce, Thurman, Andre, and the whole crew, all of those guys through all those years. He came into Buffalo when we were the bickering Bills yeah. in 1989 and and helped guide us through that with the help of Marv and uh, the coaching staffs. And he was part of the, the Bills front office all through all the coaching changes and throughout all those generations, uh, through the ownership change, everything. So congratulations to Scott Berktold, his wife Pam, uh, their their boys Sam and Jack uh, as they move on um, with their lives. And, yeah, living in Tennessee now. Yeah, good and, for them. Uh, great to see him and see him away. Thirty three years with the organization. Congrats. Yeah. Heck of a run. Congratulations. It was a great run. 
We have to take a break because when we come back, we're going to get the 411 on the Chiefs from Pete Sweeney, who covers the Chiefs. So we'll get info from him on the enemy as we go across enemy lines next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome to hour number two, One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker. And going to jump right into it right now because the guy that's joining us, editor-in-chief and lead writer for SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride, is waiting to enter Chiefs practice in just a little bit. Uh, it's Pete Sweeney joining us. Pete, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good to talk to you guys from Kansas City. Yeah, so I wanted to begin here because... There's been some rumblings that uh, Andy Reid may actually be interested in running the ball here and there. Um, the percentages <laughs> the percentages are down from what they usually are. This is usually a 60-plus percent passing team, and through the first five weeks, they're 58 percent pass, 42 percent run. What, what are we seeing here through the first five weeks from this Chiefs offense? Well, I think – with the change of Tyree kill leaving in the off season via trade to Miami and, you know, into that division, you're seeing that when you have a guy like Waddle and, and Hill, it, it doesn't necessarily need, mean you need to be as even when it comes to pass versus run because of the speed they provide. The chiefs lost a, a big asset in, in Tyree kill. He's unlike any player. And so now I think you're seeing them switch to a little bit more of methodical football than what fans here would call the, the Legion of Zoom. And I, I think they realize we need to establish the run to set up this passing game if we're going to be able to win. You can put extra attention on Travis Kelsey. You need supplemental production from some of your other pass catchers as well. But the more even it can be, I think the better it, it does for opening up things in the pass game. And Andy Reid, if there's one thing he is through the 20-plus years in the NFL, it's adapting to the players he has on his team. The Chiefs no longer have Tyree Kill anymore, and, I, and so I think they realize it needs to be more balanced. Well, we watched the game last week, and you know you see Travis Kelsey catch four balls, but only for 25 yards. How has this evolution of this offense affected Travis Kelsey? Well, <clears throat> again, it used to be this one-two punch, and the theme in the offseason was, no, mm -hmm. we're going to get you guys from everywhere. We're going to uh, be distributing the football to guys like, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman. And you know what? It, it, there's been some growing pains with that in, in the sense that it, it takes a, a lot to, to figure out, okay, how to look at all your reads and, and distribute the football. And when you only have Travis Kelsey as what, what you would consider that elite pass catcher, again, Hill now with the Dolphins, you can give him extra attention. And I think the Raiders did a really nice job of curbing him. I, I know it sounds crazy to say when a guy scores – uh, four touchdowns for the only time in his 10-year career, but he only had 25 yards. That they did, they could have did, done a better job in the red zone. He was able to get separation in the red zone. He always has been able to do that. Um, but this is something I think the Chiefs should get used to. It's something that Travis Kelsey should get used to. And I thought 
the Chiefs had a breakthrough in a sense when the Raiders were giving Kelsey this extra attention. You got your best game from Marquez Valdez-Scantling and you got your best game from McCall Hardman. You'd only really seen Mahomes trust Juju a, a lot more to this point. And I think for the Chiefs to be able to see, okay, MBS and Hardman can produce in these spots, it was good to learn heading into such a game, uh, an important game against the Buffalo Bills. And so one last one on the run game here, Pete, because it's now a three-headed monster for all intents and purposes with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Pacheco, the rookie, and McKinnon, who pops up, you know, on the on the radar last yeah. week. Is there any rhyme or reason to the deployment of those guys, or is it just going with hot hand? What, what specific roles? What? How would you break down that three-headed monster there? The only rule we know right now is Clyde Edwards-Elair is going to touch the football first. That's the one rule I think we know about the Chiefs' running game. He's going to get the first opportunity. But if he's not cooking, I talked to Eric Bieniemy about an hour ago, and this was a question that I had. How do you guys figure out who's going to be touching the football? And it is truly hot hands. So you're going to get CEH. If he's not cooking, it's going to go to Jarek McKinnon, Jet McKinnon, and then Isaiah Pacheco might get an opportunity after that. That'll be the order in which they try to get guys going. They like Pacheco, but they feel like he can still work on his patience and, and getting the block set up as a rookie. These guys in CEH and Jet McKinnon are a little bit better at that. McKinnon is probably what is the best pass blocker on the team. So even though he's touching the football second, he has a, a grand opportunity to stay in the game if he is working well. Not great news for fantasy owners, right? Because you you wish you could start <laughs> one of these guys. Like I wouldn't start any of these guys in fantasy football because Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, confirmed to me today it is truly hot hand, which is why you saw McKinnon be the guy last game. So when the Bills come, Arrowhead Stadium's right behind me. When the Bills come to Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday. I mean, it could be any of these guys. It could even be Isaiah Pacheco if it ends up being Pacheco and he's playing the best. Uh, if one of these backs has a good drive, they're going to stick with them. Let's flip it over to the Chiefs' defense. They have. It looks like there's an outside chance, maybe you'll know more today after today's practice, that they may start two rookie corners. Um, give us an idea of the strengths and weaknesses. I know, I know that uh, we know Chris Jones is playing extremely well. Frank Clark's been dragging around an injury. Um, and George yep. Karloftis has kind of flashed a time or two at the on the defensive front. Yeah, the, the front is, has looked better than I thought it might. We didn't know what to expect from Karloftis when Melvin Ingram ended up not coming back to the Chiefs. You thought, okay, maybe the Chiefs go and get somebody. They did get Carlos Dunlap, but he is into his 30s at this point, and so you really needed Karloftis as the number 30 pick to hit, and he was able to get his first sack last game, and I, I think he's looked apart pretty good almost a, a day one pass rusher that that you could trust and as you mentioned in in the secondary right now Trent McDuffie is technically still on IR but he did practice yesterday he is practicing today and so the Chiefs are optimistic to get him back Rashad Fenton who has been in there hasn't practiced yet this week as he deals with a hamstring injury so you're looking potentially at the Chiefs calling McDuffie back from IR on Saturday uh, as they put Turk Wharton to IR, who tore his ACL last game. And in the nickel, it would be Legarius Sneed, who's pretty good, pretty underrated player in the slot. And then a seventh rounder in Watson on the outside. And then a first rounder making his uh, comeback also on the outside in McDuffie. McDuffie looked really good in the 20 snaps he had before the Arizona turf, uh, which was not conditioned well enough, uh, injured his hamstring. He straight up pulled his hamstring because of the turf, missed the last four games. And, 
we'll see on him. I mean, this is a, a very important player for the Chiefs. It was their top pick in the NFL draft. As you guys know well, they traded in front of the Bills to go and get them. I, I say in Kansas City, uh, we maybe we're not talking about it yet, but this McDuffie-Elam comparison is going to be a thing at some point, uh, and it might start actually on Sunday as to which rookie plays better. They were taken very close in the NFL draft. The pleasant surprise, as I mentioned, has been Jalen Watson because the Chiefs did take a cornerback in the fourth round in Joshua Williams, but they have liked Watson better because of the length and the speed that he provides. And he's really looked the part. I mean, he's got, he was, you know, he's been got by Mike Evans and Devontae Adams. Uh, when you got a guy like Stefan Diggs, maybe th those things are going to happen, but he's had a short memory. And he was the reason the Chiefs were able to beat the Los Angeles Chargers on Thursday night football, took a 90 plus yard uh, interception back for the touchdown. And, and that's been the difference. The defense has looked pretty consistent early, which is new for the Chiefs. And it's a, it's a good sign because, uh, to have it together going into this all-important game, which we know could be the difference between home field advantage in the playoffs and not, you're going to want your defense to click. But it is a little concerning going up against an all-world quarterback like Josh Allen when you do have two rookies and you know that he's going to be uh, cognizant of these guys on the field. You'll see him attacking the outside, I think, a little bit more than going after that veteran and Snead in the inside. Yeah, and the last one here, the one thing where the defense has – not shown up at least as far as the statistics say is in the red zone defensively. What's going on there? Why 81% success rate for their opponents? What's been missing there? Does have the coaches addressed that at all? Well, I, I not, not particularly, but I, I think what, what the issue has been is a lot of times these younger defensive backs are in these one-on-one -on -one situations and you can only learn by getting that experience. And until I think these guys garner that experience, you know, they're going to be beat in the red zone. Last week was a little bit of an aberration in the red zone. Josh Jacobs, uh, I'm sorry, not in the red zone, in the run game. Josh Jacobs had a, had a really strong game, a career high in, in yardage. But generally speaking this year, the Chiefs have been pretty good against the run. So it's it's the pass game in the red zone that they could be a little bit better. Steve Spagnuolo, we know, likes to dial up different looks. And so, uh, again, largely the defense has been good. And, and you're right, you're nitpicking there a little bit when it comes to the red zone. You need to be better in the red zone, especially against a team like the Buffalo Bills. you got to hold them to a field goal, so they'll look to play better in this game in particular. Pete All right, Sweeney, Pete. thanks. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right, that's Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, lead writer for SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride. He's got to get to practice. Uh, his practice is wrapping up, so he's going to be conducting interviews with players. But as you heard, Rashad Fenton not practicing again today with that hamstring injury. There is a chance the Chiefs will be starting two rookies at corner, and that's only if they lift Trent McDuffie off of injured reserve, where he's been since week one with a hamstring injury himself. So it would be him on one side and their seventh-round pick and rookie Jalen Watson, who some people might remember had the long interception return for a touchdown uh, against the Chargers in week one. So, yeah, uh, we've been there. <laughs> the Bills know what it's like to start two rookie corners. Yeah, we did it this year. Um, we'll see. I, I, he's right. I, I think they – and from the way he spoke about it, um, they have a higher opinion of their defense than maybe the people outside the, the region. Do. Well, they're third against the run, and that's um, after giving up a ton of yards to Josh Jacobs on Monday night. Yeah, I know. And I – yeah, they are. But, Bills you know, don't run it very much. Yeah, I, that's like <laughs> not a good matchup for them. Uh, it's not, you know, being third against the run is you doesn't know, mean anything. Yeah, uh, who cares? Uh, here's the thing, though their their schedule. You know, they started with the Cardinals and the Chargers. Uh, now the Chargers holding them down and stopping their run. Okay, the Colts. 
without Jonathan Taylor. Okay, fine. The Buccaneers yeah, and the Raiders. The Raiders lumped them up in the run game. Right. Um, they can't keep all I'm teams saying from is, scoring. Like, yeah, all I'm saying is they're having trouble keeping teams off the board. Yeah, the way they win is by outscoring their opponents. That's now, how they're winning games their right first, now. Their first three games, they gave up 21, 24, and 20 points. That's pretty good. Then the last two, they've given up 31 and 29. And I think you'll, you'll find as well, when you go around and look at the, at the rest of the league, uh, people are getting a handle on who you are now after the first three or four weeks of the season. They, they're evaluating your people and themselves, and you're finding out you know, where strengths and weaknesses are. Now, just because you know what a team does well and what they don't do well is one thing. Being able to take advantage of it is completely something else. That is true. Um, so there's a little bit of that going on as well. But this Chiefs team, the defense, they're not going to lay down. I mean, they're going to be like uh, – they're going to be a good football team. They're a playoff team, and you're going to have to score points to beat them. That's all there is to it because you're not going to be able to shut these guys out at all. In fact, 20 points is an enormous win. If you can keep this team to 20 points or less, that's like shutting anybody else out. But well, that's what you got to score. That's what the Colts did, and they won twenty to seventeen. That's what you got to do. Um, but their red zone defense is bad. It's really bad. They're thirty first in the league, Steve. Yeah, they can't keep anybody out of the end zone when yeah. when you get when they get down there. I, and I don't, I don't know how the Colts held them to seventeen points. Right. I really don't. I got to go back and look at that. But game. they've scored 44, 27, 41, 30. Yeah, and then you throw in the seventeen pointer, the Colts in the middle of it, and and keep in mind that's why they're while they're feeling out all of their new pieces like Smith Schuster and Valdez Scantling, like they didn't just drop these guys out of the sky and it's like let's go. I mean they they've blended them in pretty well while on the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was kind of, I think I said this earlier in the week. That's why I was hoping when the Bills schedule came out, the Bills would get the Chiefs early in the year before they, you know, before all these new pieces found out. Okay, this is my role. This is what I do in this offense. Let's go. Yeah, that's what Arizona. Now here in week six, they're kind of there now. That's what Arizona was thinking before they hung 44 on those jokers. Well, Arizona. You know? Arizona's Arizona, And Steve. Tampa Bay getting 41 hung on them. They're good. Yeah. They're really good. Oh, no question. And uh, this this game is uh, – but I, I just thought it was interesting. He – the way he spoke, they, they think you – know, it sounds as though they think their defense is good enough. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's good enough if you're scoring 40 a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, that's, that or may 35. Be, that may be the rationale. Uh, all I'm saying is the Bills' defense, I think, is better. Yes. But I think also, too, the, the Chiefs' defense has not gotten – they have one interception. It's the long one for the touchdown, right? The Bills have got 11. That That's defense in the National Football League at this current point in history, in my opinion. Hmm. It's about turnovers and sacks. This run and stop the run is obsolete. Correct. It's turnovers and sacks. It's playmaking. Um, it's passes defensed. That's it. It's playmaking. You got to get turnovers, sacks, and defended passes, and and stay away from you know defensive pass interference. I mean that's. That's the story of playing defense in today's NFL. You can't, you can't even tackle. Somebody was, you know, you, every time you – like the game the other night, guys are running through tackles and stuff all the time. People are going, ah, that's – just like, you know, our friend Bob in Hamburg came in. They're just, you know, that nobody knows how to tackle. Listen, you know how you tackle in the NFL? 
You can't. <laughs> you know why? Because there's nothing to grab. You can't go. You can't. You say, well, why don't you grab a, a piece of the guy's shirt and pull it? No. They're taped down. Yeah. There's no handle there. Unless you grab a and leg and an arm. And three sizes too small. Right. A, an, a leg, an arm. You can't grab their collar, which used to be perfect. You could grab it and, and hang on to that, and you could hold your grip and pull yourself in and tackle them. But you've got to get your arms around them and pull them to the ground, or you've got to have an arm or a leg that you can hug and hope for help. Yeah. Because if you come in, you can't you, – you come in low, they'll, they'll jump over you. You go in high, and you get called for, a, you know, helmet to helmet. I mean, you there's they're really limited as to how they can tackle. So the the league, through this evolution, has now made it. It's a it's about punching the ball out, getting interceptions, sacks, turnovers, and passes defense. And that's, that's a, it. That's another thing that the Chiefs don't do is take the ball away. They have four takeaways this season, only one interception, which was the one we just mentioned against the Chargers in Week One. Interception return for a touchdown. They have four takeaways. Their defense is different. It's different. They you think about the losses the last few years, you know whether it's uh, Tyran Matthew, uh, Bashad Breland, a corner. They lost another corner last year in the off season that they had on their roster, whose name is escaping me. But they they've had losses in the defensive backfield. And they're trying to restock the cupboard. They drafted three corners. I mean, they knew it was a problem. They drafted right. three corners last spring. <laughs> yeah. Two of them might be starting on Sunday. So they're just hoping those guys get up to speed sooner rather than later and hope the offense can score enough to win some games while those guys kind of get their sea legs. Right. And that's, that's where they're at right now, you know. I mean, that's – they, yeah, like you said, it's obvious how they see themselves yeah. with from their draft and where they're at, and uh, we'll see. They should be getting some return on that investment, right? If they pick the right people, yeah. Let's go back to the phones at eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty, where we are asking you today what unit makes the play to win the game. Choices are there for you on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. But we go to Tom on the West Side. Tom, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys, thanks for spending my afternoon with me. I love you. Okay, love you too, Tom. And, Steve, you're the perfect analyst. You analyzed that perfectly, that last segment. Thank you. Anyway, to answer your question, I will say offense, because it's going to come down to the last possession, and it could be a victory formation by the Bills because we have the better defense. Okay. So let's go there, and then let's segue. Uh, I'm tired of the Bills bringing in players that are injury-prone, and that's what concerns me about OBJ, is he's injury-prone. Now, after that, to add on to Bob, I used to play Pop Warner football just so I could go out and hit people and not get in trouble for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. I I believe you. It was the only time you could do it. And now you're not allowed to hit people no more. I mean, I had the water helmet back in the day. Oh, yeah, I remember. That was an upgrade. Yeah, I remember. Those helmets weighed like 40 pounds. They were so so full of water. Yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah. Uh, and they pull them up with air to fill in the air pockets wherever the water wasn't. Yeah. I remember those days. Yeah, that's good I stuff. Love, and, and Steve, I, I got almost got kicked out of a football game one time because I yelled at the ref. They called me for a penalty when I was playing defensive end on the other side of the field. And I wasn't even in the play. And they called my number. And I went up and started yelling at him. And he said, if you yell at me again, I'm kicking you out of the game. So I went over to the sidelines, told my coach I'm out, took my jersey off, took my shoulder pads off, turned my jersey inside out, put it back on, sat down on the bench. Then I got up after I cooled down. I had a yoga moment, whatever you want to call it. And I put my shoulder pad back on, turned my jersey right side out, put it back on, told Coach I'm ready to go in. And he goes, what are you talking about? I thought you got kicked out. And I go, no, I took myself out. So, Steve, you emulated me because you actually got kicked out. All right. Well, okay. That's right. uh, that was a thanks, Tom. I appreciate. That was that's a heck a nice, of a story. That's a nice story. I, and they're, they're a yoga moment. A yo- you ever have one of those, Steve? Absolutely. <laughs> my last game of my career, I had a yoga. A moment. yoga moment. Yeah, with yeah. a sandwich. Uh, yeah. Um, well, well, there's a lot in there, Tom. I don't know where to begin. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, neither do I. Yeah, he says maybe the Bills will end this game with a victory formation. We'll see. Um, yeah, it'll be. Quite the a lot of people think it's going to come down to who has the ball last, and that's the team that's going to win the game. Well, that's I understand why. That's, that's how it fantasy. ended last year. That's that's fantasy. It's land, recency you know? bias yeah. is what it is. Um, this game is going to be. There's going to be a, a huge swings in momentum. I think you can count on both teams having the lead at some point. Um, and but no there's a lot lead, we don't and no know. No lead is safe, and no lead is that, that's with either thing. of these two. That teams. is no no lead is safe. Is that's the thing, and that's why when you get into a game like this, when when one team or the other, particularly in this case Kansas City and, and Buffalo too, with given their team their their game last week against the Steelers, you think, wow, they can score from anywhere. No lead is safe, which is why we got to keep our foot on the gas. Which is why fantasy owners and why why fans and betters they're like, wow, we can't get enough of this. Let's go, yeah. all gas, no breaks. Take every chance you can. Let's go. And both defenses seem a little hobbled in the back end, which gives you some more confidence that the team's going to have success. I mean, it's just it, everything points to this being a ninety-nine to one hundred game. 99 to 100. Yeah. Seems a little fat. Might be a little fat. I'm, I'm, you know. Let's go to the tweet sheet to see what you think. Which unit makes a play to win the game? Tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official moving equipment company of the Buffalo Bills. And Steve says the answer has got to be the Bills defense. Both offenses are incredibly good. The Bills defense is what separates these two teams this year. And they will have to make more plays than the Chiefs defense to show why the Bills are the Super Bowl favorites. I agree. I think the Bills' defense is the unit that is far and away better than its counterpart in this game. Um, I did find it interesting, Steve, that the Chiefs are last in the league in punt coverage. That was interesting to me. Yeah, you're right, though. And they don't get turnovers. They've got, you know, four total. Yeah. You know, interceptions, fumble, they got four total. That's it. Speaking of turnovers. And there's the, zero, zero net differential. Yeah. The, the reason 
one of the big reasons they lost to the Colts a few weeks ago is because the Chiefs had two turnovers. They fumbled a punt, um, and then they, I guess they tried some trick special teams play, and it didn't work, and they also missed a field goal because yeah. they've had other guys in because Butker's been injured. Oh, yeah, we should have Bills. asked Pete if Butker's going to be back this week because oh, he yeah. just started practicing. Yeah, the Bills, the Bills are plus two in the turnover margin because they've turned it over nine times, yeah. and they've gotten 11 turnovers. So it, that's one of the things I think that has hamstrung the Bills' offense is their turnovers. They've got four interceptions, which are all on Josh, uh, but they have five fumbles lost. Mm. and <clears throat> Can't do it. You that's, and I don't know why because it's you know, extra possessions for the Chiefs' offense. You just can't have it. You can't do that. You can't fumble the football. That's why Sean McDermott is handles fumbles the way he does. And five fumbles. Let me just look real quick. Is one that, of the biggest. I think that leads the league. Yeah, that leads the league. They are tied five for number lost one with fumbles. lost fumbles with ten. Yeah, they've got Tampa Bay. And the Bills have five. Two others, Jacksonville, Seattle have four. And San Francisco has four, along okay. with Chicago. I mean, that's five lost fumbles. You're leading the league. Hmm. That's, that's a crusher. Can't have it. It's a crusher. That's why, I, th I mean, yeah, turnovers. You, you get the Chiefs to punt three times in this game. You're you averaging a lost fumble a game. probably win if your offense is doing what they're supposed to. It's a lost fumble a game. Yeah. It's not good. You are right. Got to fix it. Got to fix it. All right. We have to take a break here. When we come back, more of your thoughts on the tweet sheet. We'll also take some more phone calls. Got an open line for you at 803-0550, Which unit makes a play to win the game? We're back in a moment here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. The 10, the 5, touchdown, Snapdragon Apples. This Bills season, head to your local Wegmans to experience the epic flavor and monster crunch of Snapdragon Apples, the official apples of your Buffalo Bills. Snap into one. <laughs> That's somebody else, I think. <laughs> uh, we got to get back to the tweet sheet here. Which unit makes the play to win the game? And uh, we, we have some tweets here that we're going to get to now from Nick. Our defense just needs to force a handful of punts, and I think we can outscore them. Everyone thinks of Bill's Chiefs games as shootouts, but week five last year, our defense held them to 20. If we keep them under 25 points this time, I like our chances. My over-under on punts, Steve, was three. I think if they can get the Chiefs to punt three times, and the Bills' offense does what we expect them to do, I think they win the game. You know, once you start turning it over or you can't turn it over. punting it yourself, you're giving them extra possessions, and that's where problems right. arise. Yeah. The, the Bills' offense needs to score some po a lot of points, and they need to be better in the red zone defensively. Um, they were better last week. So Steelers went over in the red zone. We'll see uh, if it – but – yeah, I mean, that's what this game comes down to. You know their offense is prolific, just like yours is. So whichever offense stumbles or can be made to stumble by the opposing defense wins. This game's going to be 
in the 30s, if not in the 40s, point on the scoreboard for one of these two teams, if not both. You've got to find a way to give your offense more chances. Yeah. Jeremy on the tweet sheet says, I think this one comes down to the wire. With any luck, we have the ball last and put it away with zero on the clock. I think I know why he put zero there. Yeah, not 12. <laughs> Recent memory. Even 12 would be better than it was. Well, yeah. Jack on the tweet sheet says, I think we have to attack and be aggressive on all fronts. While I hope Vaughn, Ed, Groot, and company absolutely pummel 15, we know Josh and his wide receivers are our path to the W. We have to score and have to score a lot, plus stay on the field to keep 15 sitting on his rear and eating sunflower seeds. Where do you? Where is your stance right now, Brownie, on the thought that this is the game, these are the games we've hired or got Von Miller for? This is the number one reason you signed Von Miller, to beat the Chiefs and close out a game when you're ahead on the right. scoreboard. Right. He is the number one reason. This game is the number one reason. This team is the number one reason they swung big to sign Von Miller. What does Brandon Bean say at the end of every season? Every post, every end of season wrap-up press conference, he said it the last three years in a row. The last game you play in often tells you what you're still missing as a football team. And what were they missing as a football team that helped cost them the game? The inability to get to Patrick Mahomes at the end of that football game, or for the majority of that game, quite frankly, um, could not put heat, enough heat on the quarterback to end drives. And it put an undue amount of pressure on the secondary and the back seven of Buffalo's defense, and it was a problem. And went a long way into why they lost that game. Granted, the defense was exhausted at that point, as was the Chiefs' defense, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. But Brandon Bean says it at the end of every year in the season wrap-up press conference. Your last game played usually shows you what your team is still missing. And in their estimation, their team was still missing a proven alpha male pass rusher. They have that guy now. So hopefully he does make a difference on Sunday. Well, I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Why do you feel differently, or you think there was another reason they added Vaughn? Or no, I, well, I think Chiefs is it's premium reason why he's here. Generally speaking, good players make you better. Great players help other guys become great. Guys like Vaughn elevate the, those around them, and you can look directly across the line, across at the other end of the line at Greg Rousseau, and say, "Yeah, that's a difference." It's been in his early part of this career. Yeah. Ed, Ed Oliver will say the same thing. Vaughn has mentored those guys from the point where, as a proven veteran, all-time great pass rusher, leader, Super Bowl champion, multiple Super Bowl champion guy, has started talking to those guys, getting in their ear and saying, this is how it's done. This is the mindset you have to have. That kind of guy elevates those around him. So certainly while Vaughn may be the guy that goes in and finishes the game with a sack in the dying moments of a game still in doubt. I think it's just as likely that one of the guys he's looking at will do the exact same thing or that he'll make a difference throughout the game in such a way as to be the difference without ever making a play of that nature. So um, you're right. I think guys like Von Miller make you better because he's a great player. But I think more importantly... And I'll reiterate it again. 
great players make others around them great, better. They elevate the, the people around them. That's why. That's more the reason you got Von Miller, in my opinion. Although, right. although I'll take the play at the end of the game to win. <laughs> One thing I want to talk to you about further, though, is with respect to the Chiefs' defense, last week we see the Bills able to get some explosives, a lot of short drives. They had a 10-second drive, a 33-second drive, a minute right. and five-second drive, a two-minute and 37-second drive, all resulting in touchdowns. Because they took advantage of an injury-riddled secondary and a team that really didn't have a pass rush. The Chiefs have a pass rush. They're middle of the pack, but they have a pass rush, and they have, you know, a premium player in Chris Jones, as we know. Um, but with the, with the potential of there being two rookie corners, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards this Chiefs defense playing similarly to the way we saw the Titans try to play them, and the Dolphins try to play them, which was – now, the Dolphins did play some man coverage, but not a lot. Cover two, shell, keep it all in front of them, don't give up big plays, force them to matriculate the ball down the field. With two rookie corners, can't you see them turning to that? Maybe more – not exclusively, but sure. more often than not. Yeah, Maybe. Especially after what the Bills just put on tape last week. You know what I mean? Like yeah. an overcorrection I, kind of thing. If that happens, I mean, look for Isaiah McKenzie or Khalil Shakir to have a big game in the slot. Or, you know, James Cook, Devin Singletary out of the backfield. I mean, you're going to zone them to death. You're going to go out, hook up in the dead areas, and Josh is going to throw darts. Um, you know, the thing that you'd like to see from this Bills team is obviously cutting down on the turnovers, but also some run after catch one of the things that crushes you with kansas city you can look back to the no more than no further than the two 13 second game in kansas city that the two guys travis kelsey and tyreek hill short catch long run they did it consistently they do it consistently even the even one of the four yard touchdowns kelsey had against the raiders last monday night was a catch and he ran all the way across the field to get yeah. in you got to get him on the ground stiff arm two guys so the bills while they if a team zones them off and keeps a lid on the on the play that's not that should not be good enough that should not be good enough to to beat you because you should have the weapons that are going to be able to, to counteract that you got the slot guys and you got josh with the arm and the ability to do it now one thing it does if they're in zone Josh is not going to run out of the pocket down the field like he does against man-to-man. -man. He's going to have guys facing him and seeing him run. Yeah. So they'll come up fast. So his runs are going to be like eight yards at most. And that's the one thing that the Chiefs have said. They believe while they did lose some important veteran players like a Tyran Matthew, cornerback that started for them, um, Charvarius Ward, that's the corner they yeah. lost from last year. The name just came to me. While they've lost guys like that in the secondary, they do feel on the whole they are a faster defense. We saw Daniel Sorensen getting undressed by <laughs> the Bills receiving targets last year, including Dawson Knox. Um, they feel they're a faster defense. And I wonder where we see that most when we see them play on Sunday. Like, is their linebacker group fast that they're going to be able to run down Josh? I don't know um, if he decides to take off and run. Or is it their secondary that's quicker Faster, we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to try to watch some 
tape tonight and tomorrow and get a better handle on that. But mm-hmm. um, if they're faster, it doesn't necessarily mean they're better, especially if they're more inexperienced, which I think we can say they are, particularly on the back end. So to me, that means points for Buffalo, as I see it. Locks on the tweet sheet says, our defense has been playing unstoppable so far this season, and I feel it's not getting enough credit. Locks is a little perturbed. Um, yeah, defense has been really good, and it's been supremely shorthanded through the first yeah. five games of the season, and they've been playing damn good anyway. Yeah, um, DeMar Hamlin, Jaquan Johnson, Jordan Poyer, when he's been in, you can just not forget Jordan Poyer is leading the league in, in interceptions. So. He's missed two games. Yeah. Um, he sat down for two <laughs> games. He's leading the league in picks. So that would be great to have him come in and pick up where he left off. And with the play of Christian Benford, Kair Elam, and Dane Jackson, obviously, and he almost, you take for granted um, Taron Johnson. I mean, we just take him for granted. We like gloss over. The guy can, the guy's all pro. He's an all pro slot corner. He's as good as there is. And then you got Milano playing out of his mind and Tremaine Edmonds playing the best football some Bills fans have ever seen him play. Yeah, it'd be great to see if he can get back in the lineup this week. That would be nice after and, missing last week's game of the hamstring. Um, so all those injuries and all those different guys getting rotated through in the secondary, uh, along with the problems they've had up front, it'll probably continue this week a little bit with Jordan Phillips not being 100%. I don't know if he'll go or not. We'll see. Um, yeah. They're, the defense hasn't gotten enough credit for how well it's played. Leslie Frazier's done a great job coordinating them. Uh, they've gotten great plays. They lead their 11. They lead the league in interceptions. I mean, they sh- they're just playing really well. And like the little speech I just gave, it's about turnovers, sacks, and big plays. And they've done really well at those. Last one here from Ronnie. The two offenses can put up points, but I don't see the Chiefs' defense stopping the Bills. Our D will be the difference. Getting a couple extra stops to allow our offense to pull ahead and put all the pressure on the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, that's where I'm coming from. I'm right there with Ronnie. Just force them to punt like three times. And if your offense is doing what it should be doing against this Chiefs' defense, you win the football game. Yeah. I, I'm Get them to punt. Yeah, I mean, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about razor's edge here. I mean, these two teams, think about what happened the last time these two teams played. And that when you, and I think as Bills fans, and I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you do the same for the Bills. I think Bills fans give the Chiefs offense a lot of credit. They're hard to, not keep, they're hard to keep off the scoreboard. You kind of think, figure they get four touchdowns or five touchdowns, yeah. right? Three in one half, two in the other, or vice versa. That's hard, you know. So you kind of give that up. And Chiefs fans are looking at Josh Allen and the Bills going, you know, how are you going to keep – got, they're going to get three touchdowns, one half and two the next, you know. Yep. They're going to score five touchdowns. You're talking about like – and we've seen it. I've, we've said it and seen it. You're talking about like three plays during the game that tilt the balance, that give one team a little momentum or save one team from an obvious scoring opportunity like a fumble in the pocket when you're in field goal range already. Yeah. Uh, on an early down, and you you save yourself that way from automatic points for your other for your opponent. It's going to take a handful of those both directions to decide this game. And wherever that balance falls, that's when that's the offense that doesn't get as many opportunities as the other guys do. Yeah, it's tight. 
Margins you really are, feel margins this is going to be tight. You really feel this is going to be a razor's. Well, the makers have it at what two and a half. So it's a razor's edge game be to me. Close. It's a pick'em game. All right, break time for us. Steve and I will wrap it up with some numbers that we wanted to throw your way too, uh, courtesy of Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders. Got some really interesting numbers on what a win would mean for the Bills' chances the rest of the way, as well as the Chiefs, when we come back. All right, so Steve, courtesy of uh, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, what Sunday means to the Bills and the Chiefs in this game, okay? Because we've talked about home field advantage in the playoffs, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. They've run the numbers. You're going to love this one. So if the Bills win, the chances of them being the number one seed in the AFC is 68%. For the Chiefs, it would be down to 6%. Meanwhile, if the Chiefs win, their chances of being the number one seed improve to 35%. The Bills would sit at 30%. That's an interesting swing there. And then as far as winning the Super Bowl, if Buffalo wins, they would have a 28% chance to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City just 5%. If the Chiefs win, Buffalo is still the favorite at 21%. Listen, the Bills, oh. the Bills got the Chiefs and Packers over the next three weeks with a buy in between. Then they go Jets, Vikings, Browns, Lions, Jets, Bears, Bengals, and then with the Patriots and the and the Jet, yeah. Patriots and the Dolphins mixed in. It's not a murderer's row the last, last ten games. We'll see you tomorrow at one. We've got Greg Cosell and a new Taskers teammate. We'll see Woo-hoo. you.